Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of I Know Why the Nick Caged Bird Sings. The podcast where we talk about every Nicolas Cage movie in chronological order so that you don't have to. I'm your host, my name is Steve. Joining me, as always, is the lovely Hannah Martin. Hannah, how are you doing this week? I'm fine. We have a we have a bit of a tough one to get through today. Yes. Not because it was a bad movie, but because of the, the content. Yeah, so you can tell by the title of the podcast that you're listening to right now, unless you've got us on autoplay, in which case, thanks for being such a big fan. But, <laughs> um, so the movie we're talking about this week is World Trade Center. So to my knowledge, this is the first major movie about 9-11 that happened after uh the the attacks in new york hannah's shaking her head no did flight 93 come before world trade center now she's shaking her head yes don't you love an audio medium they both came out in 2006 oh they came out in the same time okay Mm -hmm. yeah so i like hannah said it's not a bad movie it's just one of those things that i don't think it did well critically because it's hard to call a movie like this good because it was such a tragic subject matter yeah, interestingly enough, so it's United. The movie's called United 93, not Flight 93. Oh, okay. The other movie. Um, mm-hmm. So that movie has a um, IMDb score of 7.5 out of 10 and a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, interesting. Whereas World Trade Center has a 5.9 out of 10 and a 67% on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Um, the budget for World Trade Center was $65 million and it grossed at the box office $163 million. So it did pretty well. It did very well. And then um, United 93 made $76.3 million, which is nothing to sneeze at, but no. you know, n- not nearly as... It's, you know more than double yeah yeah and again like this whole podcast today we're it's weird to talk about people who profited off of making this movie do you know what i mean yeah i i thought that the producers and the director did a decent job in some of my research of trying to include the community that was involved Mm -hmm. so we can talk about that a little bit yeah, we can talk about that now if you want, or you can jump into any other story. So you mentioned the ratings already, so that's usually my first question. So yes. my second question is, what did you find about some background and behind-the-scenes info for this movie? Yeah, um, so this movie was directed by Oliver Stone, and he invited 50 real-life NYPD, Port Authority PD, Fire Department of New York um, members out to LA to participate in the filming of this movie. Okay. Um, some of the movie was filmed in New York, but New York City prohibited or prohibits still a recreation of 9-11. Oh. Um, within Manhattan. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So they were in New York. So the at the beginning of the movie, they're at Port Authority, what, like by the tunnel? Like yeah, I think so. That's actually a good point. Um, Penn because, Station or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They were uptown. Mm-hmm. Um, they were in midtown Manhattan, whereas obviously the events of um, 9-11 mm-hmm. occur all the way downtown in the financial district. Right. So there were some scenes of them driving to the World Trade Towers. And obviously, whenever it's shown that there's you know, a gaping hole in the tower and it's burning. It's obviously CGI. Yes. Um, But you are not allowed to film a recreation of any of that. Even if it's CGI? Even in CGI. Okay. Even with CGI. Hmm. So yeah, most of the movie was filmed on a soundstage in LA, which I kind of predicted because most of the movie is rubble anyway. Sure. Um, But yeah, like I said, 50 real life um, police members, both New York uh, Police Department and Port Authority Police Department, and then the uh, firefighters as well, were invited to come out and, and um, participate in the movie. And then he also invited real Port Authority and Fire Department of New York uh, first responders to come and have a private screening oh, of nice. the movie Okay. prior to it released in the box office. Yeah. This movie focuses on some real-life police officers mm-hmm. who were real. Everyone in this movie was real. Yeah. Even the Marine. 
<laughs> oh yeah. So we'll we'll talk about we'll the Marine and why he's kind of an interesting character. But a lot of people online also kind of felt the same, the same way thing. that we did. Yeah. So I think Marine. you bring up the point about how everybody in this movie is real because we saw in theaters when it came out the movie Patriots Day, which is about the Boston Marathon bombing, which. Mm-hmm. Two very different tragedies. So, and, and again, it's weird to compare them, but Mark Wahlberg's character in that movie did not exist. Yeah. He was just someone to drive the plot forward, which I think was a criticism of the movie at the time. But again, we still liked the movie, but it's weird to say that we like a movie about a tragedy. It's just one of those it's things. Tough. Yeah. So the two main characters are um, Sergeant John McLaughlin and Officer Will Jimeno. Jimeno? Jimeno. Jimeno. Yeah. Um, of the Port Authority Police Department, um, played by Nick Cage, and then Michael Pena plays uh, Officer Jimeno. 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 Yeah, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) So prior to filming the movie, Nick spent a lot of time with the um, actress who plays his wife as well, with the McLaughlin family in uh, upstate New York, and then... Michael Pena did the same with oh, the nice. Himeno family. Yeah. I, we'll, we'll get into it when we start talking about the actual movie, but I thought they both were great in this movie. I agree. So I'll talk more about Nick at the end. I'll, I'll keep okay. on talking about the movie itself. So in 2005, mm-hmm. Maggie Gyllenhaal, mm. who plays Michael Pena's character's wife, yes, had a bit of a scandal involving 9-11. Where oh. she made a remark. Do you remember this? No, keep going. I think I know what you're going to say, though. She made a remark prior to filming this movie during... A, I, th- I think this was for a different movie that she had made, and she wasn't actually cast for World Trade Center yet. Okay. So it's very surprising that she was still cast in this movie after making some of these remarks Um What she said was, I think America has done reprehensible things and is responsible in some way about 9-11, meaning America is responsible for it happening to us. Gotcha. Um, And so I think the delicacy with which it still allows that to sort of creep in. So she was hit pretty hard from that. A lot of people were first responders who were very offended by those remarks. So when I think this, honestly, she may have already been cast in the movie because they had to go to the real life uh, person that she plays and her husband, the officer. Well, should I pause for the ice cream truck? (laughs) (laughs) It's like very creepy and fortuitous timing that we're talking about 9-11 and this scandal and then like the Mr. Softy goes by. Push right on through that. So... Sorry, what were you saying? <laughs> it's okay. Uh, so Maggie Gyllenhaal had to get special permission from the family uh, to still gotcha. be cast in the in the role, and, and they gave her their okay. blessing. They said it's you know it's okay. You can you can still go go through with it. Yeah. Any word on if she feels differently now? I'm sure she's apologized. Sure. I don't know yeah. if she feels differently, but mm-hmm. I'm sure she's made a public apology. Sure. Yeah. And you know we mentioned Mark Wahlberg in this earlier in this podcast he had a a few terrible lines a few years ago about how he said if he were on one of the planes it never would have happened i know honestly People. like celebrities... celebrities make comments all the time and then they're forced to apologize and i just never actually believe that they're, yeah that they're sorry yeah because anyway. if i make i would never make a, a comment like that no. but if i felt strongly about something and i spoke my mind on it and someone said hey that's wrong. Apologize. I wouldn't. Yeah. So they're only doing it because they're famous. So Probably. Anyway. anyway. <laughs> That's how I feel about celebrities. <laughs> okay. So I got through that. We talked about the real life uh, first responders who were invited to both be in the movie and then have private screenings in the movie. Let's talk a little bit about the World Trade Center um, because mm-hmm. the movie focuses around the first responders one of our criticisms of the movie is that it doesn't focus on the victims other than the first responders who were victims right have you seen united 93 yeah so oddly enough uh a few years ago on christmas eve 
my brother and I were flipping through the channels and we watched United 93 and we were just like fighting back tears on Christmas Eve watching this amazing is and sad a, movie. Is it about the victims? Yeah, from... And like civilian victims. Yeah, from, from recollection it was. So I, my theory in terms of why this didn't do as well critically as mm-hmm. United 93 is because it's geared for first responders instead of just an average person. Well, I, I don't think that that's the problem. I think the the problem is that it's about the first responders who, so again, we'll get into this in a moment, but it's about the first responders who were trapped right. and survived. Right. So if one of those things were different, right? So if it were about the first responders who actually went up in the buildings and were able to evacuate people yes. but didn't survive, yes. or if it were about the people who were trapped and didn't survive, um, you know, I think I think that that would make it a little bit of a different movie. It might it might make it more impactful, but that again, it's not to say that this movie is not impactful or that the performances are bad or that the directing's bad because there's a lot in this movie that I'll highlight later that is really really good filmmaking. So, and, and as you pointed out, the director made a big point to make sure that they've got these actual first responders on hand to make sure that the messaging is right. Right. You know, there's there's just and there's just something that's not quite there about you know why about why doesn't this movie have the same critic scores as the other major nine yeah. eleven um, movie? Yeah. I don't know if I mentioned this, but I. I did. I shared that the city of New York isn't cool with any recreation of 9-11 in the yep. city, but the NYPD ha- was very cooperative mm. for this. Um, mm-hmm. All of the uniforms were real police officer uniforms. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's cool. They participated. Um, the director made sure that every scene that showed men in uniforms, one real police officer was, mm. was on the screen as oh, well. Oh, cool. Um, in fact... The real life two main characters, McLaughlin and um, Jimena, were mm-hmm. both in the movie. Oh, really? In, in a Jimena was in more scenes than McLaughlin. Huh, um, okay, but we'll. I'll. I mean, I don't want to spoil too much. Okay, so we can go through that later, yeah. or you can point it out where it is later. So it, this is another movie that doesn't really lend itself to going through scene by scene. No, part partially because it's of the subject the of the matter. And so partially, we'll get to it. yeah, partially because uh, there really is only one major scene throughout the movie. So we'll get sure. into that momentarily. All right. So let's talk about the World Trade Center and the history of it. Mm-hmm. So back in 1943, it was first proposed by David Rockefeller. He suggested Lower Manhattan, which was going through a bit of a financial slump, mm. um, wanted to build up and gentrify the neighborhood a bit. What existed there prior was something called Radio Row, which was just um, an area of the city with a lot of streets that sold radio and electronic equipment and parts. Oh, okay. Since the 30s were prime with radio things. Yeah, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Very popular back then. Sure. Yeah. So Rockefeller suggested Lower Manhattan... And then that was 1943, um, lots of plans in place, lots of money needed to be raised by 1962, um, Port Authority. So Port Authority kind of was the ones who needed to be the financial backing Hmm. of all this because their plans for the World Trade Centers would be not only like these office buildings, but a way to get there as well. Like a major train station underneath. Major train station underneath. Um, so Port Authority announced that Minoru Yamasaki, a Japanese architect, would build a build would uh, design the building. Mm. Um, it the World Trade One. So th- there's the twin towers which we know mm-hmm. about. So that's World Trade Center One and World Trade Center Two, and then there's four other buildings that are mm. smaller within the complex. Mm-hmm. So World Trade One was 110 stories, and it had 95 elevators. Whoa, 95. 95- which was a different elevators 95 different elevators which was a a criticism later on by other architects talking about how that's not Hmm. i guess structurally structurally sound Hmm. so in something i found interesting when i was doing this research is the building was designed with very narrow windows because the architect himself was very afraid of heights Hmm. so he thought that if the windows were smaller 
that mm. it would be less exposed light and everything for you to realize how high up you are oh yeah because a lot of times you'll say skyscrapers are floor-to-ceiling windows yeah. you know now, new new skyscrapers these days, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. yep so by 1965 world trade one was built the port authority uh spent 900 million dollars to build the entire complex wow. world trade one was 1368 feet tall uh, world Trade Two was the second tallest uh, building in the world. So World Trade One was the tallest building in the world at the time. Mm, yeah. uh, world Trade Two was the second tallest, uh, only six feet shorter than World Trade One. That's right. <laughs> and then in 2010, the Burj Khalifa in Dubai, I think, not yeah. Abu Dhabi. Yeah, mm, one of those. Yeah, Dubai, I believe, um, is now the tallest building in the world. Right. So that is what was there. And then, obviously, is no longer. Yeah. So, um, at Ground Zero, they've kind of rebuilt things a bit. Have, mm-hmm. have you been? No, I haven't actually visited. But so I've been around the area. The one thing I'll talk about, um, so when you're watching the movie, I kind of forgot almost that, and it's silly that I forgot this, but that that is a big transportation hub mm, mm-hmm. and similar to like Penn station in New York, there's a lot of underground tunnels and things leading to subway stations and train stations. Right. And then in those underground tunnels are like stores and things right. that I just forgot about. And when in my mind, when I think of the attacks on nine eleven mm-hmm. on the world trade centers, I think of the people who worked in the buildings Right, not like underneath the office it. people, mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. the, the blue, like the white collar sure. workers in the sure. in business suits and things, running in heels and stuff. Yeah, I think of first responders, but I yeah. rarely think of yeah, you know, like sixteen year old kids working at you know the like Taco Bell Annie under Ann's yeah, yeah, down in the uh, down in the basement there. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Yeah. So no, now um, they've built what is called the Oculus, okay. which is a tribute to the events of 9-11 right there was a reflection pool that was destroyed Mm. on 9-11 and that Mm -hmm. was to honor the victims of the 1993 bombing at the world trade center so now um in the new monument Mm -hmm. for uh for remembrance for the Mm -hmm. victims of 9-11 they've included the victims of the 93 bombing oh they've included that as well oh Mm -hmm. cool okay so it's not two separate things like it's just one thing for everybody so anyway the oculus it's really cool if you get an opportunity to go Mm. highly recommend um architecturally very interesting it was built by a spanish architect Mm. i don't know if anyone here has been to spain or lives in spain but in barcelona there's a lot of really cool architecture by an architect named gaudi and I can see a lot of inspiration from that in the Oculus just mm. because of the shapes of things. Very mm. interesting. So the Oculus is the new Port Authority transportation hub. Gotcha. That's where you can get the PATH, which is the Port Authority Trans-Hudson, I think, train system. Sounds right to me. Um, which goes across the Hudson into Jersey (laughs) and then up to Penn Station. And then there's like a lot of other subways. I know a lot about it because I've been there many times for work. Anyway. (laughs) I mean, so have I. I've just, I go up there. No, I mean like the Oculus itself. Yeah, but I've never been in and out of the Oculus. So, right. Very cool. And then also lots of stores like Annie Ann's with your 16 year olds, you know, working, working there. So, yes. Okay. Interesting. Um. I'm still talking. Let's talk about Nick real quick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then we can get on with it. I think last yeah. week I mentioned that he donated a ton of money to the victims of Hurricane Katrina. Okay. Yeah. I think it was you his did salary that. from this movie that he donated. Oh, wow. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, let's see. Mel Gibson, George Clooney, Kevin Costner, and John Travolta, once again, were the other actors considered to play the role that Nick Cage played. I would have looked. I think Clooney would have been good. I think so, too. Mel, not Mel Gibson. Kevin Costner would have been all right. He doesn't... I don't know. He's just not as likable as Clooney and, and Cage. Wow. You think you, you think Cage is yeah, more likable than Costner? For sure. Wow. I mean, I get... Cage always plays like the shining hero. 
Yeah, but he's such a weirdo. He always plays yeah. a weirdo. But he's so likable, though. I guess. No, like I said, he was great in this. He and, was really good and, in this. And uh, any one of those probably would have done a fine job. We just know that Travolta's a bit of a weirdo, and mm. Mel Gibson has had his issues over the years, so mm, glad yes. it's not either of those guys, I guess, but yeah, exactly. everybody else at would least, have been great. Yeah, at least Nick Cage hasn't had any, like, racist scandals. Yeah, that's true. At least not <laughs> that, that I know we know of, of yet. Not that, I've, not that we've gotten to oh, yet in our, in our research. So another thing about uh, Nick's acting itself, he focused very hard on getting the accent right. He has a mm. really good New York accent, I thought. He does, I don't yeah. think it was distracting, and no. I think that he tried really hard to make sure of that because this is you know really tough subject matter you don't want to be distracted by someone's shitty accent yeah like or a voice that he's trying to do or something like in vampire's kiss or (laughs) or, uh, he does kind of do a voice at some point that both steve and i looked at each other and we were like oh why are you doing that voice cage why are you doing that voice nick i don't remember that part it was very like peggy sue in this movie Mm mm-hmm Wow, I don't remember that at all. Maybe I just didn't write it down because I didn't want to make fun of this movie. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> it was tough to... Yeah. to yeah. And then the last thing I'll share is he, he... You know, like, hmm. when he's playing a character with a difficult past, mm-hmm. he needs to make himself feel... Right. As if he is that character. He's like borderline method. So Bo- yeah. He, I mean, he calls it it's nouveau, nouveau shamanicism. Right. So Nick remained very isolated on the set in between takes. Okay. Just to make sure that he still felt very alone and mm. could channel that for the character. Mm-hmm. Because the character is trapped for right. most of the movie by him. Well, not by himself, but seemingly alone. Right. And Nick spent a lot of time in a deprivation tank. Okay. In Venice, California. Okay. Um, yeah, not I thought Italy. you were going to say Italy, <laughs> and I was like, what a loser. But And a deprivation tank that he spent his time in was 900 pounds of salt water in the pitch black. Yes, that's what... Uh, they have those types of things locally. They have them all over the place nowadays. Yeah. You I guess float he went in... to one by his main... Yeah, where he lives. Like, yeah. 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 Or by the set. But yeah, you mm-hmm. float in salt water and it's soundproof and it's pitch black and you're supposed to... Just, just feel very alone. Yeah, very alone, yep. very relaxed and... Mm, I don't know if he felt relaxed, but he well, said he felt very claustrophobic, which helped him. Yeah, and it helps some people uh, for some reason or another. People do it for a cool experience or, or they do it for some sort of uh, health reason, I guess. But Yeah, he uh, said he spent a long enough time in there where he started to feel like he was going insane. That will happen from so what that, I hear. Yeah. So that he can channel that in the character. <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay, cool. That makes sense, actually. Yeah, it does, but... I mean, it's not like it's not like he learned the Navajo language <laughs> and then didn't speak a word of it in his movie. That's true, that's it's true. not like he lived in his car and then no, his right. character didn't live in his and car. And those two movies were really cheesy. Right. Like, this is, this is you a very know, serious this is a movie. very serious movie. Mm-hmm. So I understand why he really wanted to make sure that he got it right. And I yeah. think he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think wasn't so too. mad at his performance. No, at all. not at all. Mm-mm. No. So I think we'll also on the fly. We didn't talk about this beforehand, but we'll adjust our Nick Cage awards at the end of this. There are yeah, some I that so I don't too. think we need to do. No. For this movie in particular. Like so. worst scene. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, it, it's like we can give a worst scene because there's like there's Throw a scene that's like things, it's like yeah. five seconds long or something. So it's like okay, that's fine. Yeah. But or like a flashback or something. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah, I just talked for like 45 minutes. So. It was, I have 25 minutes with editing. It's probably oh, less. So felt like, felt like an hour. <laughs> Are you okay? No, uh, I, need, well, I need a break. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, like we've been saying, this is, this is tough stuff to talk about. And, it and is. you had to do some research on, well, on yeah, one of the I, greatest tragedies I wanted, in our national history. Yeah. I wanted to do more. Steve and I kind of talked about this before we turned the mics on, but we wanted to focus more on like. The buildings themselves and the fire department who was invited to participate yeah. in the movie more so than the events that actually happened because right you know you know about them you can do your own research on them we don't need to we don't need to you know share them with you yeah yeah and because it is a, a tragic event and a, tra- a tragic day we're like we said last week 
we're not what we usually do is we go through and we talk about all the scenes that we hated and all of the acting choices that we thought were weird so we're not really going to do that but uh there's a few things like i said that i want to point out cinematically that i thought were really interesting and really well done um so unless you have any other background stories we can get into it no i think we're good to go cool so usually when i start these things off i say well this the first scene we see nick cage is blah 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 but this time like i said i don't want to go through scene by scene because it doesn't really lend itself to that however the first scene we see Nicolas Cage is actually <laughs> it's pretty, it, it's, it's pretty, it's the first scene in the movie and it's actually pretty interesting because it brings up a really cool point. So the first scene we see him in is he's at home, he's getting up at 3.30 in the morning to go to work and he kisses his wife, he checks in on his children, he takes a shower and he goes and the whole scene, it's really, really darkly lit. So it's really hard to see anything except for maybe the alarm clock. And I think that's something the movie does really well throughout is the lighting mm-hmm. in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's very intentional. So, for example, last week, two weeks ago, when we talked about Lord of War, we talked about the uh, idea of movie lighting being orange and teal and mm-hmm. how it's really a cheap trick yeah. to make an action movie. But I think this movie is good because... There was from no orange and teal in this movie. None. So there's no cheap lighting tricks. And actually what they did instead is they have these really dark scenes and then they compare that to really bright scenes. And I think what they're trying to show in things like the alarm clock being the only thing that's lighting up the room, even though the viewer can't really see what's going on, you had to like shift around a lot. You were like, there's a glare. I think it's trying to show on a more metaphorical level that oh, they this were in movie the dark. is about finding light in the darkness, right? Or putting yourself in that position where it's just another day and they were truly the you know the first responders were truly quote-unquote in the dark about what was going to happen that's a good point they didn't know what was going to happen when they got to work yeah yeah that's a good point so i i think that both things are probably true that that they're literally in the dark and and figuratively in the dark i guess Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) but that and also that even though this was a tragedy we want to tell the stories of the heroes of 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 the event of those first responders. So there's that light in the darkness, right? So that comes up a lot. Um, Did we mention his mustache? He's got an incredible mustache. mustache. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't think it's like pasted on or anything. I think that's a real deal mustache. It's a great mustache. Homegrown hair. Mm -hmm. So also we mentioned, I think you mentioned, so his character, Nick Cage's character is in NY or not NYPD. He's, he's PA Port Authority police department. So, which is interesting because if you look at the poster for this movie, he's wearing like a fireman's helmet uh, and like a, a, a firefighter jacket. Which all the first responders had to put on. Which they had to put on. But going into this movie, we thought we it was a firefighter. Was, yeah. Yeah. So. FDNY. Yeah. So obviously you can, the first few minutes in the movie, you can kind of guess what happens where he's at the, the police department they don't even tell you what date it is, but you know. You know. Well, no, it comes up on the screen. It, not until everyone gets to the police department. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like in, it's probably in the first... It's probably like 7 a.m. that day. Yeah. So, yeah. So, again, like like Hannah was saying, though, like you can, and like I was saying, you can kind of guess what happens, right? So, he is the sergeant. Nick Cage is the sergeant. And Michael Pena, who's the co-star of this movie, he should be billed as the co-star. He's probably second billed. But... He is the rookie, essentially, at the at the PAPD. They're out doing whatever they're doing for the day. Then they get the word they have to go to the towers. So when they get to the towers, Nick Cage says, okay, I need a few volunteers to go help and evacuate the building. He gets Michael Pena and two other guys. I didn't recognize those guys. Did you recognize those two other guys? No. No. So he They re- were real people, though. Oh, they were they were actual... Um, fire, yeah, at the end of... Yeah, in the oh, credits, okay. they... I, say their names oh no 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 sorry they were mm-hmm. actors but okay the people they played but they were yeah were real they were portraying real okay Correct. gotcha yeah so so he's got a team of four i guess and then while they're in the main concourse under the world trade centers they run into john bernthal from walking dead fame and punisher and he's also he has a very small part in this movie yeah so i mean you know i guess that leads into the next point but so now there's this team of five of them they're trying to gather as many oxygen tanks and things as they can before they head up the building to help evacuate people out Mm -hmm. and that's when the first tower falls literally on top of them so it was at this point that hannah and i thought what we said earlier which is that we thought this was going to be a movie about the people who went up the tower 
to help evacuate people out. So not that we were disappointed, but it was just... It was unexpected. Unexpected. An interesting take. So... So something mm-hmm. I felt was interesting mm-hmm. was Nick Cage's character has been on the force for 21 years. Yeah. So he was either a sergeant or in some type of command role in Control the... sergeant. Control sergeant. What so is he's... the difference between... I think... I is don't it know like exactly. sergeant on duty kind of? I It might be. So he's a sergeant and I don't know if that means that because he was giving out the orders for where people were going to patrol for the day. So I don't know if that's what a control sergeant does or not. We mm. could probably look it up, but that's yep. okay. Uh, so in the bombing of the 90s, mm-hmm. he was a first responder for that. Right. So I, a lot of the people on the force likely weren't even like on the force yet. Oh, yeah. No, there were a lot of younger guys on the right. force. Yeah. So because he was instrumental in being a first responder that day. Um, he knew a lot about the underground right. at the World Trade Centers at mm-hmm. the at the plaza. So he knew a lot about the like the architecture of it and mm-hmm. where everything was. Right. So he steered everyone into an elevator shaft because he knew that since there are ninety five elevators in World Trade One mm-hmm. that <laughs> they are structurally which was to its fault, as I right. as I mentioned, like mm-hmm. a criticism of it, mm-hmm. um, because they're so staggered. But the ones at the base are probably fine. That right. the elevator shaft, like if you're going to similar, like in a earthquake, in earthquake. or something, yeah. it's probably the best place for you to be. Right. Yeah. So, so as the tower is falling in this scene, and and as Hannah mentioned, they do duck away to the elevator shaft. So, something again cinematically. Um, interesting cinematographically maybe interesting happens where the everything goes in slow motion so you see the dust and the rubble coming in and as everything's coming in nick cage screams run to the elevator shaft something along those lines and it's slow motion which came a little bit out of nowhere for a movie that up until this point has been pretty realistic this is the first sort of thing that it's like oh it's a movie exactly so I think that the reason that they did that, and there are a few other scenes that were like that, where where there was slow motion. I think, again, what they were trying to portray is how much can happen in an instant. So like how quickly things can change. Oh, yeah. And that's another big theme of the movie. So I think those are the two of the major themes of the movie that they're trying to show without telling you is finding the light in the darkness and how quickly things can change. I think that if, I believe I read this, I'm not sure exactly what time it was, but if... World Trade 1 started collapsing at 9.20. It finished mm-hmm. collapsing at 9.21. Mm. So in a minute, 110 stories fell yeah. from the sky all the way down to the ground. Yeah, exactly. So things happened very quickly. And we see later in the movie, we can talk about it now, but a lot of this movie, because these guys are trapped underground, a lot of this movie goes to the family members, particularly of Michael Pena and Nick Cage. And... You see that in those family members as well, is that they're told one thing and then they're quickly told something else and then they're told something else. And again, it's that how quickly things That felt can very realistic. It really did. Yeah. So very briefly, as you can probably imagine, it was along the lines of we don't know where he is. We found him. He's alive. He walked out of there. He's fine. Oh, no, we we found him, but he's really hurt. And then it's like, he's not going to make it. And then it's he's fine. So it's all this back and forth. He's going to this hospital and then they take him to a different hospital. Right. That that felt real. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure it is. You know, there was so much madness and chaos that. Oh, yeah. So now that the tower has fallen on these at the time, it was five guys. It was the two guys we didn't recognize. Nick Cage, Michael Pena and John Bernthal. John Bernthal and one of the random guys died when the first tower fell. Collapsed, yeah. And then one guy, the the other guy that I forget his name, he was almost completely fine. And Michael Pena's legs were pinned under a giant boulder, essentially. And Nick Cage was trapped, but he could he like wasn't a few hurt. Stories but he, lower. Yeah, he wasn't hurt, but he couldn't move. So the guy who was still, not Michael Pena, not Michael or Pena Nick or Nick Cage. <laughs> He dies a few minutes later when the second tower collapses. He's yeah. trying to help Michael Pena as much as he can because he's close to him, but he dies when the the second one. And and like Hannah said earlier, 
this movie is mostly Michael Pena and Nick Cage trapped. Yeah. And that's that might be another criticism of this movie is that but your leads are family trapped. family too. Yeah, you're right. But the lead the leads of the movie are they can't move. They no, literally yeah. can't move. So it's just a camera on their face. And again, they're they're purposely lighting this movie in a really really dark way with only glimmers of light mm-hmm. for metaphorical purposes, but that means it's really hard to see but also your realistic. actors. <laughs> but also realistic, exactly. So wasn't mm-hmm. it so Michael Pena was like above Nick Cage and I'm pretty sure he could see sunlight coming in michael pena could yeah but nick couldn't right exactly so well also because i don't think nick could even move his head no because he was trapped right yeah so yeah there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of really crazy things that happened that i didn't think about as well so like how you said how you you never really think about the blue collar workers who were who were working at an annie ann's or something but, I don't know why I thought of any Well, but. I said Taco Bell because we had Taco Bell the other night. But <laughs> yeah. but um, one of the things that, that I never really thought about, too, is about how loud it was after the impact. Like, even after the impact and after the, the collapsing, like, I'm sure there was just still so much residual noise of oh, yeah. things burning and, and little things like that. And there's one moment when Michael Pena and Nick Cage are trapped in the rubble where they're next to one of the officers who's passed away. And because it's getting so hot, like a fire burst and, and hit the gun and the bullets started firing. And I didn't even think of that either. No. There's probably just bullets flying out Everywhere. of there as well. Yeah. Do you know anyone who was there that day? No. No. So my uncle lived in New York at the time, but I think he was uptown or something. Mm. So he was he was fine. But So my company's office building is right across from the world trade centers right, right so a lot of the people a lot of my coworkers were there at the time oh wow. and i've heard some crazy stories about them because a part of that building was damaged so mm. they had to evacuate yeah that's that's something that i actually learned from this movie yeah. was i mean it wasn't just those two towers yeah. that fell down it, it was there were all and it makes sense all of course all of the buildings around it would have also been you know other yeah other like these towers are 110 stories like yeah, they're go- huge when they fall they're going to make a lot of damage exactly and it's just something i never really had thought about before so let's see if there's anything else that's really worth mentioning here so hannah did Michael mention Shannon. <laughs> i was gonna i was gonna bring him up in a moment yeah so hannah did mention before i get into that that they do a lot of flashbacks with nick cage and his wife mm-hmm. uh, i don't know if there's anything of note to bring up there it's it's flashbacks through the wife's perspective because she's rightfully upset you know right. she's she's worried so their whole thing is you know nick's character is working on the house right so he keeps saying like i have to get back and finish the kitchen yeah things like that you know right. any type of inspiration to keep up hope so that right. you stay awake and stay alive would you say that maybe he's looking for just a little bit of light in the darkness um, I, I think i would say that Steve. i i think I, I think i nailed this uh, uh finding the, the, the themes of this movie yeah exactly so you you said michael shannon we can mention of course we mentioned maggie gyllenhaal as well who's who's pretty good in this movie uh, Viola Davis makes a quick appearance Very at the random, end, which yeah. was, it was a really touching scene. Mm-hmm. But Michael Shannon was another one like, oh, Michael Shannon's in this? We had no idea. His character was weird. So he <sighs> yeah. plays the character. He's a Marine who finds and discovers Michael Pena and Nick Cage's characters. So when he sees <laughs> the he news. live? He lives in Connecticut. Connecticut, okay. So he could be just outside of the city, but he lives in Connecticut and he sees the news on the TV he goes to church. Almost immediately. Immediately, goes to he leaves his job because it's probably around. I mean, it was around nine o'clock, ten o'clock when mm-hmm. everything happened. He's a retired marine. He's I don't a retired know if you marine. Mentioned that. I uh, yeah, I did not. So okay. he he leaves his job, his desk job. He's wearing a suit. He goes to church. He has a quick chat with, with with the priest. He, he then goes to get his haircut. Goes to the barber shop to get his haircut into a crew cut. <laughs> he presumably goes home and changes. And then drives down to New York City and is like, it's my duty. I, I, su- I was like, as soon as I heard what happened, I came to... And it's like, why did you go do all that stuff? Yeah, did you need to go get your hair cut was kind of the main thing for no. me. Mm-hmm. It was very mm-hmm. strange. I understand the sentiment. Sure. Like, he's like, I, you know, I'm a retired Marine. I want to 
be a Marine again. Right. Marines cut their hair short. But right. this is this is an emergency. Y- yeah. If you really want to get your hair cut, shave it at home. Yeah. Yourself. Yeah. Like just really get, quickly. Right. Or I don't know. Don't cut it. Maybe just don't cut it. Right. Because he, he felt it was his duty Sorry, to go down. Th- there. I mean, he, this it's probably a real story. And yeah. He, yeah. And he's an American hero. So like, I don't want to. It's just, it's just so <laughs> odd that he went and got his hair cut. It is. That's really the main thing for me. I get that if you go to church first. No, like, for that's, sure. Yeah, I get that. It's trying times. But yeah. And he's also portrayed as a character that's like the the police and the fire department were like, hey, that's it. We're packing up for the night. There's only so much we can do. We, right. And he. They've been there all day. Yeah. And he was getting his hair cut. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> and, and so he shows up and he's like, I'm essentially like, I'm not giving up. So he was like a one man search party. Until he finds. The dude from Lost. So, I have an interesting story about that guy. Oh, okay. So, he's another Marine. Yeah. In real life, that real life Marine mm-hmm. is an African-American person. Oh, and they recast and him they as a white guy. And they cast him as a white guy. And the real life guy was like, yeah, it's wrong, but I don't want to make a big stink about it because sure. it's like, why couldn't you just get a black just guy get to a black guy. Why you got to get that guy from Lost? I don't know. That is odd. Yeah. That's so weird. I don't get it. Huh. They did well for everyone else. Like Michael Pena plays Officer Jimeno. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like Nick Cage is playing Officer Jimeno. Yeah, they didn't. What is it? Emma Stone? Oh, she, in, in the she played Hawaii a, movie? Yeah. She played somebody named like Rosa Ng or something like that. Oh. Or Scarlett Johansson who plays. Oh, God. In the Ghost, Ghost in, in the, the Shell. Shell. Yeah, she's supposed to be Japanese. Yeah. But it's like it, it's such a small part. Just cast a black person. Right. Right. It would have been so easy. I was thinking that that there weren't a other than Viola Davis. There weren't there were there weren't a ton of. Well, there were, I mean, there were a lot of people of color because Hispanic of those people. Yeah. Of those other guys who went with Nick, a few of them were Hispanic. Other Rodriguez, than Michael, yeah. Michael Pena. So but there weren't very many black people in the no, movie. So, yeah. But again, it was all based on true events. So well, to I mean, Hannah's point, why not? Person. I know. Exactly. That's so weird. <laughs> So weird. So Mike, uh, Michael Shannon, not Michael Pena, Michael Shannon finds Michael Pena eventually and uh, is able to call in a crew to dig out Michael Pena. And when they go to dig out Michael Pena, they, they actually don't even realize that Michael Pena is like, hey, you've got to get my partner. But they don't know who he's talking about because there's... Excuse me. That other guy who who died when the second tower collapsed exactly and they're like ah his, his partner's dead but then they hear nick cage and they're like oh shit there's actually another guy he's yeah. like a like hannah said another two stories down or something mm-hmm. so they eventually get him out and um i think that's essentially it for them under underground that's where they spend so, most of the movie let's talk about them coming out and how they got out yeah, so they they were brought out on essentially, I don't know if there's an actual term for it, but they're like stretchers. Yeah, like a gurney without the... A gurney, yeah, without the, without the, wheels. the wheels. Yeah, I don't know if there's a term for it or not. But I, I don't know if you were going to mention this, but I did notice about how when they were pulling Nick Cage out of the ground, it was framed in a way that... He was it was like almost like he was coming out of a rectangular box yes. so that he was like being grave. raised from the dead almost. Um. How did you feel about the Jesus imagery? I I accepted it towards the end because they addressed it. So the Jesus imagery is Michael. It's not really addressed at first, but Michael Pena is having dreams. He's kind of going in and out of consciousness where he's having dreams that he sees Jesus, who is a bright white figure. who You, you can't even see his face well, really. He's a shadow. Just a, yeah, yeah, exactly. And he's holding a bottle of water. Because they're so thirsty. They mentioned it several times. Yeah. They're so thirsty. So they that's have what... rubble in their mouths and their lungs. Yeah, that's true. Right? And smoke and dust. Right. Right. Yeah. So when Michael Pena is brought to the hospital and Maggie Gyllenhaal gets gets reunited with him They're they have like yeah like like that tube his, that you that a dentist orthodontist, yeah, yeah. <laughs> orthodontist how old are you <laughs> i just remember that tube from the orthodontist <laughs> they also do it at the, the dentist. dentist yeah it's true. <laughs> so yeah they, but it was sucking rocks out of his mouth it was crazy and mm-hmm. again it was another one of those things that's like yeah of, 
of course, course. but I just never really thought of it that way. Yeah, a lot of people had like major lung damage from that day. Yeah. From breathing in that soot. Yeah, yeah, of course. I just, again, I just never really thought yeah. of it that way. So let's talk about them. Oh, yeah. So Jesus imagery. Oh, I don't yes. know. I At first, I was like, that's really cheesy that he's mm-hmm. holding a water bottle. Mm-hmm. But they talked about it. And I was like, okay, I get yeah. it. Yeah. Michael Pena was like, like, hey, Nick Cage, I just had a, I just saw Jesus. I just saw Jesus. He was holding he a water, water. <laughs> and, he, and they started laughing about it. So yeah. it was like. And, and then he said, I could have taken it from him, but I decided not to. So I think that meant like I could have died. Right. I could have like walked into, walked the, light into the light kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, accepted the light so anyway they're raising them out of the grave essentially Mm -hmm. and how did you feel with the full procession of like hundreds of first responders like carrying them yeah it was also very uh religious sort of imagery i would i would imagine now that you mention it but so those were all real first they were all real that i kind of thought that that might be the case yeah interesting the cool. 50 first responders mm-hmm. that were in the movie. Mm-hmm. Well, and so you mentioned... I choked up at that. Oh, I choked up actually at the next Nick Cage scene, which was where he gets to the hospital and he sees his wife. And mm-hmm. he says to her very slowly, because he's in such pain, he says, you kept me alive. Yeah. I was like, shit, is this the first time Nick Cage is going to make me cry? Like, <laughs> No, I, ch- I choked up at the imagery of mm. all of those first responders standing in just the destruction. Right. And, like, carrying these guys and being like, John, you did it. We're g- getting you home. And I was just like, oh, my God. Yeah. So sad. And then I also choked up in the next Nick Cage scene, which was a welcome home barbecue for Nick Cage and Michael Pena. And Michael Pena's pregnant wife, Maggie Gyllenhaal, had their little baby. Hannah's going to sneeze. Not again. <laughs> not again. We can't talk about it <laughs> We're again. We're not talking about not it in the, Not in this podcast. Go back if to our, hear our Trapped in Paradise <laughs> podcast about our sneeze talk. It's like halfway through. Anyway, so yeah, I joked up at, at Michael Pena giving his adorable little daughter so cute. Uh, a big hug too. So so that's the end of the movie. So but, at that barbecue, the mm-hmm. real life, John McLaughlin gotcha. and uh, Will Jimenez gotcha. were there. Cool. Nice. Yeah. So what I, again, learning from this movie at the very end after that before the credits was what you often see in these types of movies where they throw up a few lines mm. of what actually happened mm-hmm. and of course we all know it was about a thousand or about three thousand people died on on 9-11 but what i didn't realize was that they were only able to pull 20 people from the rubble who lived uh that was that was really impact i i would have assumed more more yeah so and and they said Will and John, or Michael Pena and Nick Cage, were numbers 18 and 19. Which out of is, 20. Out of 20, which is just amazing to me. It was yeah. crazy. And uh, if that story is true, I don't want to say that the police were going to give up on the search, but if it weren't for the Marine, 18, 19, and probably 20 would not have been found. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Because I don't think that they would have survived the night. Well, like, and they say that. Their characters say that. Yeah. Yeah. You see... Michael Pena's legs after they lifted off of Ooh, they them, looked rough. they looked, and I was surprised that they weren't amputated. Honestly, well, we didn't. Although really, we didn't see, we didn't see. They were we they were see. both they limping. were both hobbling yeah. two years later. Yeah. So, and and part of the reason that the welcome home barbecue was two years later was because another thing they showed up on the screen was that Michael Pena's character had to have a whole bunch of surgeries, but Nick Cage's character had to be put into a medically induced coma and have twenty seven surgeries. It's crazy. Insane. And and they survived, so you know, God bless. And, this, those guys, and the whole you know? time, I kept thinking, and you and you kept saying, and I was like, Nick Cage is paralyzed, and you were like, No, he's fine. He just can't move because. He's- well, that was so. I I misunderstood too because I wrote, I made a note, and I just forgot about it. But when the second tower fell, it crushed both of his legs. Oh. So up until Did he the scream. Yeah. He yeah. Scre- I, okay, we haven't talked about that, but. So, he screams a lot. In well, and he movie. screams in agony, which right. you would imagine. But but so, the Michael Pena is screaming at Nick about like, can you help me somehow or something? And, and Nick Cage does scream. There's nothing I can do here. Ah ah ah, something. Yeah, I just wrote that down. Obviously, I'm not going to try to mo- mock him or mimic it. And then, uh, Michael Pena is like, you need to talk to me. You need to talk to me. And Nick Cage screams, my knees are crushed together. That's why I can't fucking talk. Oh. Uh. So, but he delivers it in a 
not in a cagey way, but it's Nick, it's coming from Nick yeah, Cage. Yeah. So we looked at each other and we're like, it's it's very it's weird. Again, it's weird. No, we yeah, don't want to make fun to of be it. Like, but... oh, Nick's screaming, but I was like, well, right, but we can't really characters screaming because he's being crushed by rubble. <laughs> he's being crushed by a literal building. So yeah, you know, in like a terrorist the attack in the world. <laughs> exactly. So so anyhow, that's the movie overall. Like like I said, it's. One of those ones that's weird to say I liked it, but I but I did I, I did like, like it. it. I turns out I learned a lot um, yeah. from from watching it as well. So I highly recommend giving it a watch. Any other thoughts? No, I kept thinking about Patriots Day a lot, and mm-hmm. the, and we felt I think we felt a very similar way after leaving both of those movies. Yeah, it it also reminded me of another movie called I believe it's called The Impossible. It's about the tsunami. Yeah, it was uh, Nicole Kidman about. and a young Tom Holland. Um, and it's, it's another one of those ones that it's, that one is, is again, it's destruction, but it's, but it's also the story of some people who man caused. That's true. It is. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So it is more of a natural disaster as opposed to a attack. You're right. Yeah. So I I have a, I don't want to say I have an easier time consuming that type of media, but it it is a bit lighter, even Mm -hmm. though it is just as destructive, Mm -hmm. if not more. Yeah. So our next segment is usually the Nick Cage Awards. So I think we'll only give out a few awards, I think, this time. I think Best Supporting Actor is a no-brainer. Michael Pena. Michael Pena, clearly. He was he was great in His this movie. His little daughter came in a close second. <laughs> she was so she cute. She was very adorable. <laughs> um, I don't think we're going to do a Best Dressed. He, you know, it's his uniform. Yeah. Uh, it's the mustache. Just give it well, to the mustache. Exactly. Uh, worst scene, best scene. Do we need to do anything like that? I don't, I don't think so. The best scene's probably... At the end. In the hospital? No, I think like at the barbecue. Oh. Yeah. Okay. You want to give it? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Sure. Okay. Best scream we don't need to do. And then most nouveau schematic. He really wasn't cagey. He wasn't the, nouveau schematic. The only, so. I guess, just his preparation for the movie. Sure. Although I'm sure many actors would do the same that he did. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, that's it. So where are we ranking this movie? That's another tough question. It is. Hmm. I have an idea. Do share. <laughs> Pray tell. So, so I, I think this, this goes towards the top, I think. I thought so too. Um, but maybe not quite top 10? No, I think top 15. Oh, okay. All right, that's a little further down, actually, than I was thinking. Number 15 is The Rock. Okay, what is 14? Red Rock West. 13. Con Air. Maybe between Red Rock West and Con Air? Yeah. It's fine by me, I think. What's 12? Kiss of Death. Yeah, I think between Red Rock West and Connor. Okay. All right. Are you okay we can with put that? It there. Yeah, that's fine. I was thinking a little higher because, of course, it's it's weird comparing something like this movie with Best of Times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just so difficult. So I'm, I think this is honestly the only movie we're going to have this type of struggle hand, with. Yeah, handle this sensitively. Especially because... <laughs> oh, no, my God. What's next week? Is it The Wicker Man? It's The Wicker oh Man. We are going from the absolute most <laughs> serious to content to the absolute most ridiculous <laughs> content. So we are scheduled to have... Oh, man. I was uh, so down. I know. Now I've been uplifted. I know. I know. So we are also scheduled to have a guest on our program next week. I don't know if it will happen. Wow. So I'm very much looking forward to that <laughs> that should be fun we haven't we haven't had a good like real cagey scream in a while i think i've mentioned it before but this was one of the first movies that i went to see in theaters <laughs> and thought oh movies can be really bad terrible and i will just never get my money back or my time back that- well it's about to happen to you all over again. Fucking hell. Here we go. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Join us next week. Thanks for listening. Anything else you want to add before we go? Nope. Now you know why the Nick Cage bird sings. Thanks for listening, guys. Take care. Now, freak out.